that's the that's the right answer. But does she deserve being dogpiled on and then having people go yes. after? <laughs> no, no, I mean, no. Yes, I agree with you. I mean, okay. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, whoa, <laughs> get the popcorn. <laughs> Smashing Security, Episode 73, Rick Astley, Never Going to Hack You Up, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Smashing Security, Episode 73. My name is Graham Cluley. 73, I'm starting to feel old. I'm Carol Terrio. Starting to feel old? You are old. (laughs) How dare you. And and we are joined this week by the lovely returning Maria Vamasis. Hello, Maria. Hello, and what did you call me? I said the lovely returning. Oh, <laughs> what, did you, what, what did you hear, Maria? No comment. <laughs> I think her laugh says it all. This is going to be a fun show. I'm glad to be back. Just don't call me returning. <laughs> Sorry, I won't use the R word again. This episode of Smashing Security is sponsored by LastPass. LastPass Enterprise makes password security effortless for your organization. LastPass Enterprise simplifies password management for companies of every size. With the right tools to secure your business with centralized control of employee passwords and applications. But LastPass isn't just for enterprises. It's an equally great solution for business teams, families, and single users. Go to smashingsecurity.com forward slash LastPass to see why LastPass is the trusted enterprise password manager of over 33,000 businesses. And welcome back. And girls, I've got a question for you. Girls. Gals. Wait, wait what do you want me to call you? <laughs> Guys. Sisters. Sisters. <laughs> um, what, is, what is the naughtiest thing that you've ever done? Oh, boy. Mm. I don't think I'm ready to share that on radio. I was almost late with my taxes once. <laughs> that. Yeah, pass yeah. on that one. You're passing, are you, Carol? Yeah. yeah. Some people did something a bit naughty 10 years ago because someone hacked the website of a British politician called Harriet Harman, a member of parliament, sometimes a a cabinet minister and deputy leader of the Labour Party. They hacked into her account back in 2008 where she blogged and they posted a spoof resignation letter and the letter went like this. It said, to friends, foes and fans... Below is a copy of the resignation letter that has landed on Gordon Brown's desk this morning. I couldn't be bothered to type a completely new one. Um, So I've used instead one from Quentin Davies. Loser, it said, (laughs) who's written a perfectly good one here. So she linked to someone else's resignation. Anyway, it's a very bizarre thing for a senior politician uh, to post up. So 2008. This is a really current story. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I like to be topical. Well, don't worry. I'm going going to make this topical. Um, And they also posted up uh, a hoax blog post claiming that Harman, who was then uh, Labour Minister for Women and Equality. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That she was supporting Bojo. uh, (laughs) Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson in the Labour. Now, Maria, do you know who Boris Johnson is? I've got an image here, which I'm sharing in our Google Doc. uh, (laughs) So you can see what he looks like. The Mayor of London. So, all his, at his best. He was mayor of London, absolutely. Yeah, no longer, um, right? No. No, no, because he... He's um, Trump's buddy now, isn't he? Well, he... <laughs> <laughs> he is very much our equivalent to Donald Trump in some ways. Um, he led us into the glorious future, which is Brexit. Um, almost became prime minister, although he, he rather fell over his own shoelaces in that one, and, and tends to call games like table tennis whiff-waff. 
Um, he's he's quite <laughs> he's not wrong though. He's quite <laughs> what about Wiff Waff? Wiff Waff, that's he's, great. He's, he's quite an individual. Yes. Um, Anyway, so so yes, I do know who he is for the record. Uh, okay. to answer oh, great. your question, great. <laughs> and well, I'm sitting here going, "Does she get out ever?" <laughs> anyway, okay. So this this hoax message was posted claiming Harriet Harman was supporting Boris Johnson. Very very unlikely. Now, back in 2008, on the Guido oh. Fawkes blog, which is a politics blog, the hacker at that time anonymous described how they managed to gain access to Harriet Harman's blog and they used a highly sophisticated technique i can tell you <sighs> the technique was username harriet password harman oh. that... <laughs> but is that excusable 10 years ago i see the c line is back um, <laughs> well i oh, you know Lord. politicians over the years have shown themselves to be rather incapable when it comes to computer security of course we recently saw nadine dorries another british mp who was sharing her password left right and center and leaving her computer unlocked and was arguing that this was acceptable you can just see the intern writing username harriet password harman <laughs> on the no- post-it note and then saying please make sure to change this later please 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 and then <laughs> ignored okay look, i don't want to beat up too much it was 10 years ago yes hopefully harriet harman has learned so oh, yeah, why historic era yeah why am i talking about this today why well, the long lead up let's let's <laughs> come back into the future let's come back or at least to 2017 okay because there was a newly elected mp in 2017 her name is kemi badenock and she was a number of conservative mps new conservative mps who starred in a series of videos designed to present them with a human face by answering quirky questions yeah and one of the questions kemi was asked was what's the naughtiest thing you've ever done what's the naughtiest thing you've ever done now seriously yeah. That, don't ask a question you don't want to know an answer to, is all I have Well, to the version of the video which was published on YouTube where she asked these questions perhaps sensibly chose to edit out that question and answer. But this week, the media managed to get hold of a copy of the original tape. And we are going to watch it right now, okay? I'm just sharing the link with you so you can watch the video. Okay, I'm actually going to watch this I'm watching it. What's the naughtiest thing you've ever done? <laughs> the naughtiest thing. I, about 10 years ago, I hacked into, oh my God, so back, uh, hacked into an MP's, another MP's, web, a Labour MP's <laughs> website. <laughs> and I changed um, all the stuff in there to say nice things about Tories. That's nice. Funny, yeah, but I won't name who. <laughs> oh, oh, she laughed. Snap. <laughs> Snap, lady. What was the time period she said? She, did she say ten, a few years ago? She says 10 years ago. Oh, way back in 2008. Well, the media worked out that what she was talking about <laughs> was the hack of Harriet <gasps> Harman's blog in 2008. So, oh. <laughs> okay. So the Mail on Sunday grabbed hold of this. And um, Kemi Badenock has now said, look, this was a foolish prank over a decade ago, for which I now apologise. Presumably she's not laughing quite so much now, finding quite, you know, giggling and sniggering about it. Yeah. Um, and an anonymous source at Conservative HQ, effectively her bosses, they've played down the incident, describing it as not real hacking, as the password had been guessed. What do you, how do you feel about that? Is that hacking or not? Absolutely it's hacking. 
just because someone guesses a password, now we always warn about weak passwords all the time, but yeah. just because someone has a weak password and you happen to guess it doesn't mean you've not broken the law. Exactly. Oh. I, I've, my view is that this is a, a breach under, well, several areas of the Computer Misuse Act because mm-hmm. this was unauthorised access to a computer system and then unauthorised modification as well because she was posting blog posts. So th- oh, this was a criminal back. act, it seems to me, which she's now admitted to on video yep. and had a good oh, snicker about. Oh, but it about. feels like a leftover from a more innocent age, though, doesn't it, when when this was the sort of the funny stuff that people used to do? That was the worst of it. I don't know. It's making me feel very nostalgic. Well, yeah, but it was 2008. It wasn't... Yeah. 1988 no, okay. or 1998. Yeah. I know, but Maria's yeah. much younger, right? So for her, it's like before the dawn of time. <laughs> Thanks for reminding us. And Kemi Bade Nock was 28 when she did this, right? She's nearly 40 now. And it's like, you know, it wasn't really just a teenage prank, this, was it? Pretty immature. Uh, I think this says that maybe MPs need to get a bit of cybersecurity training going on because this is not the first time we've seen the UK government talk about security in a way that's slightly embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, not only do people need to protect themselves better, and let's hope Harriet Harman has obviously learned from that incident all those years ago, but also they need to set a better example because if people go on video and go, <laughs> oh, you won't believe what I did. Yeah, I launched a denial of service attack against Margaret Thatcher or something like that. It's just, you know, Margaret, Margaret Thatcher. Thatcher. I'm keeping it current. How, how does that work exactly? It's no longer with us. <laughs> Gerald Ford. <laughs> Herbert I think Hoover. All, all services are being denied at this point. <laughs> anyway, Harriet Harman has accepted the apology. And with the length of time that's passed, I think it's unlikely any legal action is going to be taken. But it's, I don't know. I just think they should do better. I think there must be parts of the world where we have senior politicians who really represent a fine, fine example for young people. People who they can look up to and say, yes, I want to be more like him or her when I get older. I can't think of any countries. Yeah, Let's go just... to Maria, who's based in America instead. <laughs> what can I do with that segue? Well, I'm going to deflect okay. uh, completely to a different country because, I, I, yeah, I'm going to talk about Austria today. Which has never produced uh, any dodgy politicians whatsoever. <laughs> I, I walked right into that one. Uh, well, I mean, my, my story involves Austria, and mm. my story started with an innocent enough question on Twitter last week. Okay. Um, so, uh, one Claudia Pellegrino of Darmstadt, Germany, was trying to get confirmation on something she just read on Twitter. Uh, and the question was this, does T-Mobile Austria... Really store customer passwords in plain text, because it had been rumored that they did. So, you know, that's kind of a good question. So she did what most of us would do. Nobody's going to bother calling customer service up. We use Twitter. So she tweeted at them instead. And the answer she got from a rep named Kathy was, no, 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 of course we don't do that. We only store the first four characters in plain text. (laughs) (laughs) So this is because customer service reps need to know that you know your own password to make sure you really are who you say you are and that they're talking to the real account owner when you come in to see them. Yeah, so what they're saying is the support rep, they can see the first four characters, but anything after that may be asterisked out or something. Correct, Uh, correct. And so if your password was something like F*** you, T-Mobile Austria, you'd only get the first bit of that, which is, yeah, maybe that should be redacted. Okay. Maybe... So if your if your password was password and the the customer service rep sees pass yeah. and there are four more characters after it, one could 
wager a guess at the rest of the password is word. Anywho, a much cleaner example. So we, I think we've established that that practice is problematic. Yes. Uh, so the <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's problematic. So and shocking because T-Mobile is not some tiny little outfit. To be clear, for the sake of anyone who right now who's panicking, T-Mobile T-Mobile Austria is its own thing. It's not part of T-Mobile. The bigger company, I believe. I think they're not a subsidiary, is my understanding. So ah, they're okay. they're they're a smaller shop than than they might appear. Is is what I understand from this. So when that answer came from the customer service rep, people said, "Well, okay, that's that's not good." So they responded <laughs> to the customer service rep and said, "You know, it's that's that's not great. Maybe you should escalate that to somebody internally and say that that's not a great security practice." And in fact, some helpful security pros on Twitter responded, and one by the name of Eric said. Well, what if your infrastructure gets breached and everyone's password is published in plain text to the whole wide world? What and he said. Exactly. Right. It's a yeah. good question. And yes. the customer service rep responded with words that will now live in InfoSec infamy. Okay. Uh, what if this doesn't happen because our security is amazingly good? <laughs> was there a smiley face at the end? <laughs> there was not. It's a nice positive message, isn't it? And this is all on Twitter. This, <laughs> this is all, all on Twitter. It's still on there, by the way. This oh. hasn't been deleted. And unfortunately, the exchange doesn't end there. And Eric, to his great credit, I think, is trying to help uh, the, the rep out and says, he, he wants to do some educating. And he says, well, the bad news for you is nobody's security is that good. Yeah. Not even yours. It's not that I say you are 100% getting hacked, but what if an employee accesses the database mm. directly? A really good question there. Mm-hmm. And the response, like, this is a digging the heels in moment. <laughs> the response from the reps is, excuse me? Do you have any idea how the telecommunication companies work? Do you know anything about our <laughs> systems? But I'm glad you have the time to share your view with us. Drama! <laughs> touched, touched a nerve? A, a smidge, a smidge. So at, the, at this she's point, like, "Oh, the water's getting hot. Gotta get out. Gotta get out. Gotta get out." <laughs> so at this point, you you might guess what is happening. So many helpful Twitterers, tweeters, twits. The trolls start sniffing blood. Oh yeah. So the helpful yeah. folks are going. You know what, Kath? The, uh, you may want to escalate this internally and get off Twitter. Uh, please don't feed the trolls uh, because this is a disaster. Um, oh wow! But saying, "Do you know anything about our systems?" kind of reads like an invitation to a number of folks. Uh, and then the rather inevitable dogpiling began. Uh, and this, this, is, this is the ugly stuff. So people are going, well, maybe the passwords are being encrypted. Oh, no, wait, they're, they're not. They're, maybe they're not being hashed, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of back and forth about what they are and aren't doing. And the threads just kind of go super deep into, oh, if their password security is really lame, then maybe their website's terrible too. And, oh, look, it's really vulnerable to cross-site scripting attacks. And I'm going to post something on their site for the lulls. Uh, it, it got really ugly, frankly. Yes. Um, so that, that's the sad, inevitable side of <laughs> where these kinds of threats can go. But more encouragingly to me was that, uh, that we saw a lot of people chiming in saying, here's some helpful advice. You may want to not just encrypt these passwords, but have them hashed. Yeah. Um, uh, we should also not pile on a customer service rep because why would we expect one of them to have uh, all the security expertise at the top of their head? Right. You would expect them to be charming with customers, however, and maybe they didn't handle <laughs> that terribly well. But, yeah. it, but, but I do you agree with you. That. I was watching these threads and I was thinking, it felt rather uncomfortable. And I must admit, I put my hands up. I'm sometimes hypocritical. Well, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Oh, what? I am a hypocrite. But, you know, th- there have been times when I've sort of jumped into the fray and, you know, had a go at somebody. Is this an apology? And n- Hardly. Oh. And <laughs> But on this occasion, it just did feel like everyone's kind of going, eh, nah, 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 we know yeah. more about security than you. Yep. Clearly, T-Mobile Austria, or at least this customer service rep, doesn't know what they're talking about. Clearly, there's a problem. 
why wouldn't she just say, let me get someone in our security department here for you? Should have done that. Should, absolutely right? should have done that. Yes. But or let me find out for you and I'll get back. That's the that's the right answer. But does she deserve being dogpiled on and then having yes. people go after? <laughs> no, no. I mean, no, yes, I agree with you. I mean, <laughs> yeah, okay. She, yeah, okay. Okay. I was going to say, whoa, <laughs> get the popcorn. <laughs> again uh, yeah she deserves <laughs> no i agree with you i, I mean it, it felt like every plunker out there was just sort of joining a, it's like come on you know and what were they saying what were they saying i didn't mature. follow this people were basically going well I, i'm giving a tldr version of this because there are hundreds of responses to this thread which is still up on uh, twitter so you guys can check it out but people are like i'm gonna go check out their servers now i'm gonna go try and check yeah. take down their production uh, systems it's like come on really can we use this sort of moment as a moment uh, as an opportunity to educate you know, yeah, be the nice you know, guy. Yeah, like there's yeah. no reason to be a d- I mean, it, yeah, yeah, it's fun to snark, but there's no reason to go that, that direction. So there is a happy ending to the story. Um, people, Many people actually did use this as an opportunity to go, hey, T-Mobile Austria, uh, you guys could do better. And what you're currently doing with plain text may be in violation of DDPR. Uh, yeah. So you may want to get on that ASAP. Chop, chop. Uh, yeah. So they actually were able to reach out to T-Mobile Austria in a constructive way. And now as of April 7th, which was, you know, some time ago, uh, apparently customer passwords are being not only salted, but also hashed. So those passwords are now delicious. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and they're doing much better by uh, their customers' security. So and they that, did that pretty quickly. They, the turnaround was pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we don't have to be assholes to people <laughs> because they got something wrong. Yeah, but do you think that maybe the assholes expedited the salting and hashing? Oh, my. I know. Well, that is the thing, isn't it? Sometimes you, you kick up a stink in order to get a response. For me, it felt like it was getting a little bit out of hand it on was. Twitter. And maybe there was a better way to communicate with the company. I saw something. What, it went out of hand on Twitter? No. <laughs> I've never heard of that. But here's the thing. People are also saying that that customer service rep should have been fired for, yeah. for all this. And she has not been fired. They have confirmed that she is still with the company. And actually, they've come to her defense saying people calling for her to be fired are kind of frightening. So I, I want to say kudos to them for standing by their own employee because that's that's pretty great. Um, but that, that seems like overkill to say this person should be fired because she doesn't know how password encryption should work. I mean, that's just like, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So TLDR... The passwords are now being apparently secured, so that's great. Huzzah! Uh, yay! Hooray! <laughs> Hooray for that! Yes. A good news cybersecurity story. Yeah. Fantastic. Almost. Yeah. Well done, Twitter. Well done, Internet. <laughs> right, yes, well done. Keep it up. Do that again next you time. You did it! It worked. <laughs> Carol, what's your story for us this week? Well, I'm going to be unconventional, and we're going to kick this off with a video. Okay. Good on a podcast. Yep. I've just sent you a link. Oh, yes. Oh, for goodness sake. That takes me back. Now, I didn't just do that for (laughs) fun. I did this for a reason, because researchers from security startup Bastille successfully proved that the ATI emergency alert system used in San Francisco is vulnerable to being hacked. By Rick Astley? (laughs) 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 God, it's like he's here. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Holy moly. 
It's uncanny. Uh, so, but hang on, they took over San Francisco's emergency siren system. No, no, no. What they did was they wanted to know whether their siren system was vulnerable. I mean, think about it. We had an accident that happened in Hawaii earlier this year where an emergency alert system uh, went crazy because someone mistakenly pressed the button and it took 14 minutes, right, for a correct um, alert to be sent out. So that was very scary. Yes. For that, in Dallas, the warning system was siren jacked, which is the mot de jour at the moment. This is where 156 emergency sirens went off uh, in the early hours in the morning and blasted for 90 second durations around 15 individual times. And what, this was just going honk? It wasn't sort of saying marshmallow men attacking or something like that. It, it was actually just doing a honk. No, it was just a hu- a, that horrible, horrible loud siren. Honk. Yeah. In the middle of the night, a security researcher from Bastille Security Startup decided to take a look at his hometown's emergency alert siren system, which was uh, in San Francisco is where he lives. And he found some rather shocking vulnerabilities. Now, before I get into this, these are proof of concepts attacks, right? So this is where a researcher demonstrates the proof of a never seen before vulnerability in a system. So by definition, it's a theoretical threat. Okay, so he decides to look into this, and he discovers that the sirens get their orders via radio transmissions, and that the signals were sent over an unencrypted channel. So let me quote the register here. So from this point, Bastille researchers were able to devise a way to intercept those signals and replicate emergency alert signals, effectively letting them activate the alarm sirens whenever they wanted. Bastille estimated that in the wild, a hacker would be able to set off the alarms with little more than a PC and about $30 worth of handheld radio equipment, unquote. Oh, my. And the payload to prove this proof of concept was to Blair, Rick Astley's never going to give you up. (laughs) Of course. This research came out on Monday. Now, this is quite a well-packaged piece of uh, research. There's a, their own website called sirenjack.com. There's a mm. lot of videos showing how it's all done. Have they got a logo? They've got a logo. So they've done a lot of work on this. And then this past Tuesday, the Industrial Control System Cyber Emergency Response Team, or ICS CERT, issued an advisory on the ATI vulnerability, citing improper authentication, missing encryption of sensitive data. So these two vulnerabilities, they say, could allow an attacker to remotely trigger false alarms and ATI emergency mass notification systems. Um, The advice at the time of recording is that ATI are working on a patch and it will be available upon request. Okay, so don't expect to be contacted if you're running an ATI system. You want to contact ATI. Right, so if you don't want to listen to Rick Astley or whatever else someone might send through, you've, you've got to go and get the patch. Exactly. And there's also this recommendation that maybe simple voice radios could be replaced with a digital P25 or APCO Project 25 radio, which provides more secure encrypted links. I was just about to recommend that. Yeah. <laughs> a P25 or an Tip APCO Project 25. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yes, I'm... Yeah. Very familiar with those things. Yep. Yeah, but see, the, the thing is, is this uh, patching all this doesn't look like it's going to be a walk in the park for every system. There's going to be some firmware and software updates required in some cases. So again, people are advised to get in touch with ATI and monitor ICS cert reports for wow. updates. It's a lot of acronyms. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. This is very military. I think I've been reading it so long it actually makes sense to me now. <laughs> 
I would imagine some of these emergency siren systems may have been in place for decades. Right? So this is the thing. I want to know whether the disclosure was responsible. So I went to ATI's website just to see what they were saying. And they were pretty stum. I couldn't see anything prominent in the website. And some mentions in the press suggested Hmm. that they were playing this down a bit, saying, highlighting the proof of concept theoretical aspect and saying that someone would need a lot of knowledge to pull this off. And it made me wonder whether actually the disclosure was fully done, you know, responsibly. The Bastille website, FAQ, says that uh, they do indeed support the 90-day notice and they worked with certain, and it seems they did everything right. But there is a problem. There's no patch. The patch is not ready. So is 90 days long enough to create and test certain patches? So I'm a little uncomfortable with this because there does seem to be a tendency for security researchers to say, if you can't fix it within 90 days, we're going public. This seems to be sort of de facto standard. And that's clearly the policy which Bastille have followed on this particular case. And I think it's very hard sometimes to know whether 90 days is enough because you don't know the ins and outs of the software. You don't know what other priorities uh, the developers may be working on, what other security patches they may be fixing as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And you really need to work alongside the vendor to to get a decent uh, estimate as to when the thing can be fixed. So... This is where things get a little controversial for me. ATI are a leading provider of emergency systems. Mm-hmm. So, and these systems currently could be vulnerable and they could be active in a school, in a city, in a hospital, in a government office, in a military base. So Bastille have kind of done a big full-on media push with the dedicated websites, white papers, technical explainers and how-tos videos showing everything. So they're, they're really banging the drum on this. Going off what Graham said is, though, I mean, isn't responsible disclosure going public only if they've done nothing after 90 days? Well, I mean, it doesn't sound like they've yeah, done nothing. Yeah, but Maria, they'd set up the website and they'd got the video already and they'd done a logo and they needed to get that out there. You know, they've, they've invested a lot into this. <laughs> it is very slow. I'm quite impressed. If you heard me exclaiming <laughs> earlier, this is an incredible website. And this ATI, this this stands for Acoustic Technology Inc. It's not to be mixed up with any other ATI. So they're very specifically in the business and have been for, I don't know, maybe 30 or 40 years um, of producing these sort of solutions for businesses. I mean, it is obviously an important thing to fix. Um, and, you know, it would be good to think that organizations are updating their systems and, and uh, you know, asking where's the patch if one hasn't been made available. But, um, yeah, it... Leaves it just leaves a yeah exactly it? It leaves a bad taste in the mouth just a tiny bit you kind of think oh if only they had waited and worked with ATI to kind of public you know publicize it when a fix was ready I would have been much more hat tippy and then there was always the potential that if you really felt they weren't doing anything you could have gone to the press you could have gone to the Guardian or the Register or Ars Technica or Wired or something like that and demonstrated this in some fashion and said look we've been talking to them about this for the last nine months and it still hasn't been fixed and then create nine months for a startup is a long long time so Mm. it's kind of like a speedboat versus a tank trying to turn around and it's you know yeah i think you'll find speedboats are really rubbish on land cruel (laughs) if if you are going to try and (laughs) drive a speedboat next to a tank that simply won't work yes this this whole story just sort of is uncomfortable for me for all the reasons you listed and i'm just thinking that these systems themselves are 
they, they, I'm sure not that long ago they were almost entirely mechanical systems. So the whole idea of like now we're trying to get uh, all this sophistication in terms of getting them on software update cycles and that kind of thing. I, I'm just wondering, are, like the people maintaining this day to day, are they like are are they even aware of stuff like this? I'm not trying to say you know they can't do it. They, I don't think they would be aware. I think they'd have outside contractors who install yeah, the system. Yeah, so I'm just kind of like, have we thrown a lot of folks to the wolves right now? I mean, I'm, I'm it's just a lot of these. I would say this is probably a critical infrastructure kind of thing. There's a lot of vulnerabilities in a lot of these systems that people are really frantically trying to catch up on, and and just they're not ready for it. And I think you just hit the nail on the head, Maria. That's exactly the problem I've got with this. The problem is not only that they did this, but it's critical systems that are under threat in this situation. And whether the threat is no longer theoretical since they've now proved it works, right? Once again, digital has ruined everything. If we just relied upon siren systems, which revolved around, I don't know, hamsters or something, running around very quickly inside a hamster wheel, and that would trigger a siren, that would power it all into operation just give me a metal pan and a wooden spoon and I'll run around shouting. You know, I, I'm not happy. You could do it. You could do it. Just, I, I would do it. I'm loud enough. I could make this happen. Hey, some shit's going down. Ding, 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 ding. This episode of Smashing Security is sponsored by LastPass. LastPass simplifies password management for companies of every size, but it isn't just for enterprises. It's equally a great solution for business, teams, families, and single users. Learn more at smashingsecurity.com forward slash LastPass. And welcome back to our favorite part of the show, which we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, an app, a website, a podcast, whatever you like. Doesn't have to be security related necessarily. Maria. (laughs) (laughs) Should I scramble and get something different? No. (laughs) I just like to give you, I just like to give you I was going to do my one security related pick of the week for one. You're allowed. Because it's you. Maria, calm down. I'm on first, right? You've still got a few seconds to consider whether you've made the right decision. My pick of the week this week is a game which I've been playing on the Nintendo Switch with my son. But it is also available for iOS, Androids and Steam. And it is called The Adventures of Bertram Fiddle. Oh, it's the most beautiful name ever for a game. Episode one, A Dreadly Business. (laughs) <laughs> and this is a point-and-click adventure game. So if you've ever played something like, I don't know, The Secret Monkey Island or Day of the Tentacle or one of those fantastic old games, you'll know what this is all about. You're moving around the screen, solving puzzles. And uh, Bertram Fiddle is a Victorian adventurer. And with his trusty, one-eyed Peruvian manservant called Gavin, he uh, <laughs> he is on the trail of Jeff the Murderer, who shouldn't be... <laughs> Shouldn't uh-huh. be mixed up with Jack the Ripper Jeff. at all. Yeah, I saw a bit of this. I saw a bit of this when I was uh, I was over at Graham's on the weekend, and it is glorious looking. Like it's so beautiful, the drawings. It's so pretty and funny and a bit rude, <laughs> but not rude. It is a bit rude. It, it on both levels, where it's rude for an adult, but very literal for a kid. Yes, whereas. Whereas our podcast is a sort of single entendre, um, The Adventures of Bertram Fiddle is, on, is a double Wasn't entendre. Wasn't there something about going into Mrs. Havisham's bush? There were, 
I think it was, uh, yeah. Uh, so Lady oh, Faversham has a secret garden which hasn't been pruned recently. And so you <laughs> need to, and so you need to get your, the clippers out. Um, <laughs> All right, I need to get a new pick of the week. <laughs> you have to discover what's in her, in her drawers, and there's you're on the trail of Lord oh. Arthwipe. I love um, it. I love it. It is very funny. So. Like I said, I was there with a seven-year-old. He was enjoying it greatly for the puzzle solving. And I was sort of chortling away in the background at some of the things that were being said. Here's the problem with it. I've actually already finished it. I finished it on the day that I bought it. It only cost about £4 in the Switch store. It's supposed to be a series of adventures. So it does end on a sort of cliffhanger. And you're sort of dying to play part two. Now, from what I've read, part two is already available on some platforms. But apparently it's a bit buggy. And it's got some bad reviews. Part one... Episode one, A Dreadly Business of the Adventures of Bertram Fiddle, is a lot of fun. So I'd suggest waiting a little bit before going for part two. Make sure they've ironed out the bugs. It's very much an independent game. It feels like by a, a very small group of guys who've been crowdfunding it. Um, but cool. very, very amusing. So support episode one at the very least, because um, you'll certainly get a few hours of fun out of it. Well, if, if you have a Switch. You can get it on your smartphone as well. Get a Switch. Well. They're great. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Switches are fantastic. Get the Switch and play Breath of the Wild forever, and then when you're done, and you're never going to be done, play this one. No, I know. My bro- my other half really wants Get a one. Switch. They're, they're, they're really cool. Yeah. Really cool. Oh, what are you doing? Get one. They're I know. Great. We're thinking about it. We're thinking awesome. about it. So, Maria, what is your highly security-related pick of the week? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to pull the rug out, because I was going to do a security-related <gasps> one, but now I, I'm going to change it. <laughs> She's changing it. This has never I mean, happened on the fly before. This is most unorthodox. You're going to have to tweet out what your security one was when we when we publish the show. Should I should I just <laughs> shout out the link? Yeah. It's a very quick one. I can just say what it was. It's securitytxt.org. Yep. yep. That was my security related pick of the week. Uh, it's a it's a really tiny little website that's awesome. And if you've got like you're, if you're starting from zero. Security-wise at your company, like if you're a startup or something, this is a great place to go to. Would have been handy for T-Mobile Austria, I think. Might have been. Might have been. Especially, actually, it would have been handy for Panera. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So that was actually uh, one of the reasons I was was picking it. But um, there's not much else I can say about that. So uh, I was going to change my pick of the week from that. Or maybe I'll do an and. An and pick of the week. (laughs) Um, I'm going to suggest a a documentary that I just saw on Netflix that is getting a lot of press, and I'm going to opine on it briefly. It's called Wild Wild Country. (gasps) It's on my list. It's on my list. Don't say too much. Is it good? It it is about the uh, Rajneeshi cult that that made its own compound out in Oregon, and they they basically took over an entire little town in Oregon. And yeah. all sorts of shenanigans happen. And, and if I literally say anything more about that, if you don't remember what happened or you didn't hear about it in the 80s when that happened, um, I, I don't want to give it away because it's, it's a really wi- it's a wild ride. It's actually – it's six episodes long. It's extremely long. It could have done with a lot of editing, I thought. And uh, it is a bit problematic in my opinion. Uh, not a flawless documentary, but it's a very interesting watch. Um, and everybody's, at least in the media I'm reading, everybody's talking about it right now because it just came out a few weeks ago. Um, very bingeable. Oh, uh, so, sounds good. So I'd, if, I'd love if, to watch it. Yep, I'll put it on my list. Yeah, if you remember all the, the cult stuff happening in the 80s, at least in the States, there's so many cults around here, it <laughs> seemed like in the news. This is this is a big one. Um, so it takes me back. I think you've still got one now, actually, Maria, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> 
Me personally? No, not well. Yes, of course. She has a, she has a yeah. following of people throwing rose leaves in front of her all the time, I'm sure. But it, I wasn't actually thinking of Maria, <laughs> lovely and fragrant as she is. Like garlic, you know. <laughs> garlic and olive oil. It falls me around. <laughs> Thank you for that excellent pick of the week. Crow, what's your pick of the week? <laughs> You're getting bored with the name of pick of the week. You're just having fun with it. Pick of the week. No, I pick love the, the week. I love pick, the pick of the week. Not every time. Pick of the week. So my pick of the week is not security related Good. at all. I do. And Graham, you know what it is? Because I yes, hinted to I it last week. Yes. And then I saw you over the weekend and I gave you, you gave one of these, so didn't I? Uh, and before okay. we tell everyone what it is, <laughs> what, do you have anything to say about it? Do you have anything? Do you want to? I love it. It is here right in front of me right now. And um, it has a rather bulbous yes. head. And if I tap it, if I put it, if I if I stretch out my finger and just stroke the very top of the head, something magical no. happens. No. Okay, it's just yes, a light. Sorry. It's a light from a company called Hroom, H R O M E. And it's quite cool. It's the shape of a small dog. It's made entirely of ash wood and the legs and head are movable. So you can kind of place your wooden dog lamp into mm. any posture, just like mm. a real dog. And the touch sensitive on off switch on the crown of the head is quite cute. It's like you're kind of patting your dog and that's how you turn on it the is. light. That's exactly how I like to turn it on. And it's, so I so, seriously, I'm just going to leave right now. I'm going to leave the room. I'll leave. You, I'll let you finish the show because I shouldn't be. I'm taking off my headphones. I'm going. I'm going. All right. I'm off. I'm off. All right. All right, Carl. He's gone now. He's gone. This is good. All right. Jeez. What is wrong know, with him? Like, Hello. I'm back. I'm back. Damn. Oh wait. Oh. Hi. Oh yes, it was wonderful. Crow, uh, this is a lovely gift, and um, yeah, it's it's tremendous. What what more can we say about it? It goes into a variety of positions. Nothing. We can just say get one. Yes. It's very very lovely. Oh. I'm not a dog person. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. She's she's not a dog person. <laughs> I'm never invited on the podcast again. I actually, she likes I, cats. She's I fine. actually like dogs, but I'm more of a cat person. I'm sorry. It's possible to like both, yes. It's true, and I do. I <laughs> okay. do, I do. You just have a preference. All right, yeah. that's all right. Okay, well, next time you're on, Maria, maybe you'll like to make your pick of the week cats or something like that, just, just a species. <laughs> that just about wraps it up for this week. Thank you very much, Maria, for joining us once again. If people want to follow you on the tweets... At M. Varmazis. That's my first initial and last name. Oh, piece of cake typing that in, I imagine. <laughs> M-V-A-R-M-A-Z-I-S. I'm really, I'm, it's out there, yeah. And you can follow us on Twitter at Smash In Security. No G, Twitter wouldn't allow us to have a G. And you can buy stickers and mugs and T-shirts and things like that at smashinsecurity.com slash store. And thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, rate it on Apple Podcasts. Please, it really does. please. Yeah, really does help new listeners discover the show and you can check out last past episodes or at smashingsecurity.com and until next time toodaloo bye bye cheerio everyone Maria? oh bye <laughs> perfect <laughs> I don't know if you wanted me to say are you one of those cool people that doesn't say bye at the end of a phone call you just kind of no, go I, like I'll like, see you later like, hang up I'm just like in the movies. I yeah. just hang up. I don't exactly. even say anything. So yeah, you don't say hello. You don't. You <laughs> no. don't hang up. No. Yeah. Hey, something, something, something. Like. <laughs>
That's me. Who does that? Felines. The end. <laughs>